1: All right. Welcome, Disability Law Show. Good stuff. John Scholes here along with Savannah Tamarkin from Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed disability law firm in the land. And uh, Albert Klein here as well, partnered with the firm. Guys, tons of stuff to get through today, but I always throw out some contact information off the hop and uh, we'll do it throughout the show as well. 1-855-821-5900, One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at disabilityrights.ca and another handy website for you, absolutely free and anonymous, of course. Ltdfaq.ca. So, guys, let's uh, let's get it happening. Savannah, what do you got off the top, pal?
2: Hey, John. Again, busy week. Tons yep. of people contacting us throughout Canada about their long-term disability issues, disputes with insurance companies, and, and you know, th- this week I actually had one gentleman email me and, and say and ask. Uh, you know, do you guys represent insurance companies? And I said, absolutely not. Uh, we are a hundred percent pro-individual. Uh, we think insurance companies have way too much power, uh, and if, you know, unfortunately, oftentimes they, they use that in a bad way with respect to their claimants. Even though insurance companies have an obligation to deal with their claimants in good faith, and and, and by the way, John, that's not just long-term disability. That's also house insurance, car insurance, health insurance. Travel insurance. Insurance companies have a lot of power. So it's absolutely critical that you are aware of your rights and you tell people that you know of, uh, colleagues, friends, family members, about this and about this information. So let me direct people to a website we put together a few months back, which I can tell you has garnered thousands and thousands of, uh, of eyes. Uh, it's called LTDFAQ, LTD Frequently Asked Questions.ca. Mm-hmm. And it's a website, very simple website. All it is 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 a website that if you go on it, you will see certain types of topics that we have created memos for, memos for the general public, not for lawyers, for judges, not for insurance companies. And I'm looking at it right now, ltdfaq.ca, free website. Here's a topic, appeals and long-term disability. Should you appeal a denial? Return to work. What if the insurance company is forcing you or compelling you to go back to work before you are ready? Do you have to do so? What can you do to protect yourself? Employment issues and long-term disability. Of course, we have employment lawyers at the firm. And so what happens if you're an LTD and you also have issues with your employer or vice versa? You have issues with your employer, but you're also suffering from a disability. Independent medical examinations. What happens if the insurance company sends you or wants to send you to an assessment with one of their doctors? Do you have to go? Uh, what happens with the report that's generated, etc. And there's many other topics here, CPP disability, dealing with difficult adjusters. You know, and, and I would tell listeners, John, if anyone sees that there is a topic that they want us to create a memo on, by all means, email us, email me, uh, and I'll make sure to get one of our team members to create a memo with very quick and simple answers about mm-hmm. that particular topic. Awesome. So that's my spiel on that. Nice. Um, so I want, to, I want to go to a, uh, an email that I received from, uh, from a lady. Okay. Um, she's, I believe, out of Calgary, and she writes, Hello, my husband was cut off his LTD benefits as of the end of March, so earlier this year. They had requested all of his medical information from the doctor, which he submitted a long time ago. They keep claiming that his claim is under review. How long <laughs> should it take for the review to be completed? Every time he reaches out to the insurance company, he just keeps getting the runaround. Please help. This is something that uh, Albert and I have seen, unfortunately, too often. Now look, uh, Albert's going to give you his two cents on this, but my view is, is this. There is no reason whatsoever that this gentleman has now been in limbo for over six months, six months—I would say even more than that. I can't count. Eight months, yeah. uh, John. It, it makes no sense. I understand if the insurance company needs to uh, tie up loose ends. I understand if maybe it takes a few weeks, maybe a month or two. But eight months—I mean, that's just crazy to me. And during this time, they don't have any money coming in because he's not being getting uh, his LTD benefits. Right? He's been cut off his benefits. Now, the fact that she said that he was cut off his benefits indicates that they had approved him earlier. So what is going on here? What happened? Uh, so I, I will tell people that if you're in that situation where your benefits are either denied or they're cut off, uh, or even the insurance company is saying, we haven't made a decision yet, we need more information, you've got to think about this from a reasonableness standpoint. Did you, do you think that you provided to them everything they need in order to make a decision? If you think that's the case if let's say a month has passed by and you're still getting nowhere get in touch with us no two Uh cases are the same and sometimes our advice will differ and remember it doesn't cost anything to speak with one of our team members And, and i tell people listen you never know you never know you may have a legal claim right now that you can exercise against the insurance company sometimes they need pushing and prodding because insurance companies you know, are like big turtles, right? I mean, they walk very, very slowly. They move very, very slowly. And frankly, you are not a priority. You need to make them a priority. You need to be that squeaky wheel. Albert, I think you had one not too, not too far back, right? I mean, didn't, I think you told me about a case or something where somebody was waiting for a long time, and and you told them to give the insurance company a deadline. Is that correct?
3: I mean, it happens quite frequently. We you, usually what I what I tell prospective clients. I mean, I, I always say, look, if You don't have to hire a lawyer. You absolutely shouldn't. Obviously it costs you money. You're already receiving less money than you should be. And if there's any way to avoid hiring a lawyer, absolutely, that's the best approach, 100%. But sometimes there's just no other options. And so usually what I'll say is I'll I'll give them some verbiage and essentially say, I've consulted a lawyer about my rights. I'm asking you to make a decision within two weeks, which is once again, very reasonable. You always want to be considering whether or not your actions are reasonable because that's what a judge is ultimately going to look at. And so I tell them to be reasonable, give the insurance company another couple of weeks and say, if I haven't heard from you by that time, I I'm going to retain a lawyer and exercise my legal rights. And you're, you're, you're not being threatening. You're just stating the facts. And at the end of the day, it should never take eight to 10 months to render a decision. This, this is something that can be done in under a month in under two weeks. Wow. And they have all the information by this time. So it, it's it's absolutely nonsensical. What they're trying to do really is they know that the longer they take to give you a decision, the more likely it is that you're going to run out of money. You might have to return back to work. and What happens if you return back to work? They don't have to pay you beyond that date. So, I mean, that's ultimately what they're hoping for. You need to kind of take control of... Of the situation and put it back on them and put it in writing that you've been waiting for an extended period of time, you've followed up many times and you're not going to take it anymore.
2: John it's something that we see unfortunately too often um, you know oftentimes when people do what we tell them as Albert mentioned uh, where you give them a deadline they'll respond back and right. oftentimes they'll give you a decision, they'll either approve you or they won't approve you but either way you're no, you're not going to be in limbo anymore And the reason for the deadline is because the position we tell people to take is, you have obligations, you the insurance company, have obligations under the policy to treat me fairly and to give me a decision in a reasonable, that's the key word, reasonable amount of time. And if you fail to do that, I'm going to take legal action against you. And if the insurance company fails to comply with that... I think you have every basis for then proceeding with the legal claim. Now, they may say, you didn't give us enough time, but again, it's a fact-specific situation. But there is no reason, again, to echo what Albert says, that people, sorry, the insurance companies take so much time to make these decisions. And again, the reason they make that, you know, they take that time, um, not always, in, it's not always to frustrate you, but, but oftentimes it's a bureaucratic machine, and you have to understand that it is a bureaucracy. One of the ways to fight bureaucracy is to press you know, and to push uh, all the buttons, because if you don't, no one's going to look out for you.
1: Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The way to reach out any time to Albert or Savan just have a, uh, you know, uh, nonchalant phone call. That's all it takes just to get some more information. I think they just they just tire people out and wait for them to just simply you know walk away. As you have said so many times on this show, Savan, the people are just going to give up. They just they they don't have the legs to continue on the insurance company who's just playing stalemate with them. You know, until that's they call exactly you. what
2: it is. Absolutely, you know? no, it's a game of attrition. Uh, it's yeah. a war of attrition. Uh, for the insurance company, it's a game. For you, it's not. You know, the other thing is that you see people uh, in dire straits when and they tell the insurance company, look, my mortgage payments are due. I have to pay for you know, food, to put food on the table for my kids. Insurance companies do not care. They, they don't care. You know, they're not there to take care of you even though that is really what the policy is there for. Any policy of insurance is a policy for peace of mind. That's the whole point of insurance. That's that's the crux yeah. of it, right? It doesn't matter if it's car insurance or house insurance or uh, LTD insurance. And oftentimes people who are cut off, they'll appeal the cutoff or the denial, and then it's going to be that game, that waiting game. And the insurance company is going to say, well, we need this information and this information and this information. And it's important to understand insurance companies are entitled to information. They're entitled to paperwork from your doctors. But again, there has to be a certain point at which you say, look, You've been given everything. My doctors have been very explicit. Make a decision. And if you don't make a decision, I will take that as a negative, as you denying my claim. And I'm going to take legal action. And many, many times, the adjusters that receive that kind of an email, make sure that's an email form, Not, not a phone call. You need to have this in writing. Many times, these adjusters are going to come back and say, you're approved or you're not approved. But either way, you'll know what to do. Yeah. Exactly.
1: One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 855 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. We're only going about a minute or two, Savannah, until we break, but uh, set the table for uh, our next round. What do you got coming up?
2: Well, we're going to have a whole bunch of emails, I think, and I think you're going to be reading a few things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one issue that keeps coming up now, obviously, with COVID, people having anxiety about going back to work, you know, there's a lot of that, uh, the, the mental health issues that are coming into play. They've come into play for many years. Psychological types of issues and disabilities have been something that have been overlooked by insurance companies and oftentimes, unfortunately, denied by insurance yeah. companies. When somebody's suffering from anxiety, depression, PTSD, phobias, Whatever the situation is, insurance companies have denied those kinds of claims, often citing lack of medical documentation or objective documentation, which is, of course, nonsense when you're dealing with psychological claims. But again, with COVID now, I think we're going to see an uptick. Uh, We're going to see more and more people getting denied those kinds of claims. And it's absolutely crucial that they reach out to us, John, for information. Again, this information is free. Every time someone talks to us about one of these kinds of issues, it is absolutely free. We will analyze your case. On the phone, we will tell you what your options are, review documentation, and give you a menu of options, and then you'll know what you can do. And if right. you are in no position to contact us, get a family member or a friend to get in touch with us on your behalf. We'll be happy to speak with them.
1: Lots more coming up, guys. 1-855-821-5900. MyDisabilityQuestions.com is another website you can use anytime. And as Savant started off the show, LTD FAQ. CA's .ca well we'll continue disability law show on global news radio you are
0: listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and
1: policies of global news radio 640 toronto all right, welcome back, Disability Law Show. Good to have you along with us today. Albert Klein is here, Savannah Tamarkin, of course, co-founding partner, Firu Tamarkin, LLP. Most positively reviewed disability law firm in the land. Reach out, get the compensation you deserve. Starts with a simple phone call and information. Information is key when it comes to dealing with these insurance companies, and you're not doing it alone, for sure. You've got to be properly armed with the uh, the right people, for sure. You want to reach out uh, anytime to Savan or Albert or their respective crews, help at DisabilityRights. You can also go to disabilityrights.ca, media tab, and follow along our long-running TV show as well. Okay, back to a week that was, and we're going to bounce over some emails. we got a ton of stuff to, uh, to plow through here. Albert, uh, take it away, pal. What do you got going on?
3: Thanks, John. So, actually, last week I was consulted by someone who had previously retained another lawyer. Uh, we were recently retained uh, this week, and unfortunately, this person who had consulted this lawyer over two years ago for a denial of benefits uh, only recently found out once I got involved that she hadn't named all the right parties in the litigation. So usually speaking, it'll be the insurance company that's actually on the hook for benefits. But sometimes employers decide that they're going to what we call self-insure, meaning that they're going to pay the monthly disability benefits and they hire an insurance company to adjudicate the claims. And one of the issues here, other than the fact that my that my now client has been waiting for over two years to get any sort of resolution, and usually these claims only take about nine months to a year, the other lawyer that was involved hadn't actually named the employer in this instance. And if you don't actually name all the parties that potentially have any sort of liability, you may be out of luck and you may not have any recourse. So luckily for my client, she's not out of time she still has some time to sue, to to commence a to commence a lawsuit but unfortunately she's been waiting for over 2 years and it's just it's just really disgusting when you see these sorts of things where a claim a claim has been mishandled by another lawyer i mean i don't like to speak badly about any other lawyers but at the end of the day you want to make sure that you're dealing with with an experienced lawyer who handles these types of claims because there are a ton of different nuances Van,
2: have you seen anything like that before? Yeah, um, I mean, the two points that I want to pick up on here are in terms of who we go after when somebody is denied a claim. I think that's really the crux of it here. There's that issue, and there's the issue, obviously, of lawyers who don't know necessarily how to deal with these kinds of claims. The first example I will give, or an analogy for... Uh, you know, naming the right party. John, we talked before about slips and falls. Okay, That's we're right. entering now the winter season. Imagine that you have the unfortunate luck uh, to uh, slip and fall on a sidewalk, let's say, and you hire a lawyer that doesn't know necessarily the nuances of how to deal with slip and fall cases. And that lawyer brings a legal claim against, let's say, the city, but not necessarily against whoever owned the 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 sidewalk maybe it was a mall maybe it was a private citizen or vice versa maybe you went after the uh you know the the, the the whoever you thought was responsible for the sidewalk but you failed to uh to to do your due diligence and you didn't know that there was a third party contractor that was supposed to be taking care of that area uh and, and you know put down salt and and clear the sidewalk and by not naming the correct parties or all of the correct parties You are potentially putting yourself in a situation where down the road, you may not recover the damages that are owed to you, the money that's owed to you by law. Now, I say you, John, but it's not the individual's um, job to do this. It's the lawyer. Mm -hmm. You need the right lawyer for the right case. If you need help with a family law problem a real estate problem or criminal problem, you don't come to us. Our specialty, our focus is employment law and disability law. That's it. And so we know those two areas of law inside out. So you have to make sure, you have to make sure you go to the right lawyer. That's number one. Number two, in terms of who it is that is paying here, that's crucial because with long-term disability, you may be dealing with an insurance company, but it's possible that someone else is actually paying you. Could be your employer, right? Many banks are self-insured, but they don't know how to deal with these claims, so they hire an insurance company to adjudicate the claim. If you go to a lawyer that doesn't know what they're doing, they may go only after the insurance company, not after the employer who's actually owing you the money, and vice versa. And so that's very, very important, and that's where you do your due diligence at the beginning, or the lawyer does that. Right. You, so when you're going to the right lawyer, uh, that right lawyer will know what to look for. They'll ask the right questions. They'll make sure that they look at all the documentation, uh, you know, and, and just ensure that everything is covered. All the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, because if you don't, Sometimes it's very difficult to fix it down the road. Sometimes it's impossible to fix it down the road because the limitation period would have elapsed. So those are the lessons. And yes, to answer to, to, to answer Albert's question, I have seen those situations before, and it's a very uncomfortable conversation to talk with the client about any missteps by the previous lawyer. We don't we don't like to go after our previous lawyers. We we don't deal with those kinds of issues generally. Uh, but you know, you want to make sure that you don't make that mistake at the outset and you go to the right lawyer. No different than in medicine, right? You want to go to the right doctor, right? You're not going to go, if you have a heart issue, you're not going to go to an ear, nose, and throat specialist mm. and vice versa. You want to go to the right person who deals with this area of law.
1: Guys, I want to move on to a question this is from com. There you go. You can use it anytime as well. From Sonia says, I want to communicate an email with my insurance due to stress and anxiousness. Is this legal or can they cut off my benefits? I do not want to make them angry and more difficult on me, but I get tirelessly stressed having to talk to them and they seem to try to put words or try to make me agree to something when on the phone. What should I do?
2: This is common, unfortunately, and we usually see this, John, uh, in two scenarios. Number one, when an adjuster is unusually aggressive and number two, uh, when an adjuster could be aggressive or could be not aggressive, but it's just asking simple questions, but the individual is already dealing with so many things in relation to their disability, oftentimes with mental health illnesses and, and things like that. And so to answer Sanya's question, you can certainly advise your adjuster uh, in writing that this is creating a lot of stress for you. I want to communicate in writing. You should be speaking with your doctor and telling your doctor that any time your adjuster calls, it creates you know the psychological pressure on you that anxiety is shooting up and and you know it's affecting you in a very negative way and I say that because you want to make sure it's recorded in your doctor's records and it's even better if you can get your doctor to actually write something for you that says i suggest i recommend it's my medical recommendation that any further discussions communications with the insurance company be done in writing right again it's very it's very it's very good to get that it's almost like a a shield right the insurance company then uh, coming to you and saying, no, we want to talk to you by phone. Well, wait a second, I have a letter from my doctor telling you that it, upon medical advice, it's my medical advice, the doctor will say, that that you know my patient should be communicating in writing. Uh, however, all that said, you could get into a situation where the insurance company says, no, you have to communicate with us by phone. And that's not necessarily something that is stipulated in the policy, but... It may be an excuse that the insurance company will use later on to say, okay, well, you're non-compliant with your policy uh-huh. obligations, so we are going to cut you off. I think that's a very extreme thing to do, especially if you have a letter from a doctor saying it's better for you, for, for a mental health standpoint, to speak or to communicate in writing with the insurance company. But but I think if the insurance company takes that extreme position and cuts you off or, or puts you know uh, so, some some blocks in the way and doesn't pay you, I think you have a legal basis for a claim against the insurance company. The question is more practical and pragmatic. Do you want to go down that road? Well, so if there's, any way, if there's any way you can speak with them by phone and then confirm the conversation in writing, I think that's ideal. Otherwise, otherwise, just be prepared for the fact that the insurance company is not going to like the fact that you only want to communicate in writing.
1: Well, if they have a problem of it and you start a claim, then it doesn't matter. It's a moot <laughs> point because all the communication goes through you anyway, right?
2: Yes, yes. Then yeah. it goes through the lawyer. And that's important to understand. I mean, many people yeah. don't know this. In fact, I think I told you this, John. I had a case, uh, this was a few years back, where um, a, a gentleman contacted me and, and said, you know, I want you to take over my disability case. I had a lawyer here, uh, but I don't feel comfortable with that lawyer. They're very passive, and I said, sure, no problem. And as I started understanding more about the case and the relationship between the individual and their previous lawyer, I was shocked by certain things that that lawyer did or did not do. For example, that lawyer allowed the insurance company to communicate with this gentleman, his client, uh, while he had representation. Wow. Insurance companies, by the way, know that they're not supposed to speak with an individual a disabled a cl- a person, a claimant, when they have a lawyer. And so when we get involved, first things first, the insurance company must cease all communications with our client. They can only communicate with us. We are now that wall that stands between the person who's disabled, who's trying to get better, and the insurance company. And we push back. We push back on the insurance company. And so you need to understand that when we get involved in a formal capacity, we take over all the communications. You don't have to deal with anything to do with the insurance company. You only have to deal with us
1: and for a lot of people that's almost as good as the actual settlement itself yeah. it's the peace of mind right you know what i mean they're like okay yeah. the money's great but let's go back to this whole thing where i don't have to talk to them anymore <laughs> you know what absolutely I mean? yeah.
2: absolutely okay. and i've had psychologists and, and doctors contact me when i've said this on the radio and tv and you know did we hear you right you know is this what happens because and they tell me that just the mere communication between the individual their their patients and yeah. the insurance company adjuster is creating a certain level of stress that is extremely negative, a- and any uh, progress they're making with their patients to get them back on track to heal them is often, um, you know, hindered by that communication with the with the adjuster, and, and that unfortunately, unfortunately, it's because many of these adjusters. Uh, simply either don't care or they're overworked or sometimes they're just plainly aggressive. They're aggressive and, and, you know, they harass the individuals uh, and and it's just not fair, it's not right. And I can tell you right now, uh, when we get involved and we see that kind of behavior, we call them up on it and we, we take over all the communications and then (laughs) in some instances they're afraid to speak with us.
1: And with that, we will take a short break. we got lots more to get through. Uh, keep the emails coming. If we don't get to them on the show, uh, Savannah and Albert and their teams do get back to you. There's a couple of different ways, of course. Help at disabilityrights.ca. And what I just used right there was mydisabilityquestions.com. We'll continue Disability Law Show on Global News
0: Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser.
1: All right, welcome back, Disability Law Show. Great to have you listening in. You'll learn something today you always will if for your benefits or a family member, colleague, uh, you know, anybody, a friend who's dealing with a, a long-term disability insurer and having problems uh, dealing with them and really, quite frankly, getting tired of it, need to reach out, no satisfaction. Have a conversation with Savan or Albert can, uh, can help indeed. 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca, and always go to my disability questions.com that's a free and anonymous website you can ask your questions there as well which is uh, actually Savannah, where this one came from from uh, from beta we'll get to beta's question it says i went to two imes and will be starting behavioral and work hardening programs how can i request to get copies of my imes when they're already happened if insurance doesn't want to give them to me how do i ensure i get copies of any future ime and rehab program reports what is the best approach Savannah? By the way, uh, betas in Alberta. You guys uh, go cross country, Ontario, Alberta, BC, as well. Helping people. Just want to throw that in there. But uh, I digress. Go ahead, Bell.
3: <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I, I can went. take this one. Sure. So, I, I, I mean, from a from a privacy law standpoint, that kind of falls outside the scope of what we do. But there is sort of a practicality to everything, and really, at the end of the day, insurance companies often take these really ridiculous stances and there's no reason that they should be withholding your reports at the end of the day it's about you right so you should have access to it uh i i usually tell my clients or prospective clients if some if an insurance company is withholding something from you put that in writing and ask them to say in writing why is that they're not providing you with these documents uh once again similar to our previous conversation that that uh uh Savannah was just mentioning if they refuse to converse with you over over writing, put put an email a summary of what their stance is and just say, okay, we just spoke over the phone and you've advised that you're not going to provide me with any of these IME reports because of X, Y, and Z reasons. Another way to sort of access these reports is to say that your doctor actually needs access to them in order in order to assess whether or not you are capable of participating in this behavioral and work-hardening program. So that's another way. Once again, you want to do all of this in writing so that you seem reasonable in the event that this dispute needs to uh, go to the next step. Um, otherwise, I mean, usually this takes quite a bit of time, but you can uh, file a Freedom of Information Act uh, um, sort of appeal and essentially say the insurance company is not providing you with your information and they should be doing that. Uh, I don't know really the ins and outs of doing that, but uh, I would start with a more pragmatic approach and just get them to date in writing the reasoning for for them withholding this report. I don't know, Steven, any thoughts?
2: Yeah, um, so first of all, on the ltdfaq.ca website, we talked about at the beginning, John, there is actually a uh, memo about IMEs. And for anyone who's joining us for the first time, IME stands for Independent Medical Examination. It's when the insurance company says Okay, we've heard from your doctors, but now we want you to see one of our doctors or one of our assessors. And generally, insurance companies do that because they are fishing for an opinion from a doctor or an assessor that will support their position, their position being that you are ready to go back to work, that you're not that disabled, that you can do something else, whatever it takes to get you off claim so they can stop paying you. Now, I'm going to take a different tact here than what Albert said. What's interesting to me is that this person here says that they went to two IMEs. That is not that common. Generally, when an insurance company in the LTD context, long-term disability claim, sends you to an IME, one suffices. So I don't know what kind of an IME or IMEs this person was told to go see. But here's what I can tell you. The insurance company can't just send you willy-nilly to as many IMEs, as many of these medical examinations as they want. There has to be a reason for a particular IME. For example, let's say the person suffers from a psychological issue, okay, mental health issue, and that's what's disabling them. The insurance company can't just send you to one psychologist and then afterward to another psychologist, because then presumably they're shopping, right? Maybe right. they didn't get the <laughs> opinion they wanted from the first one. So, So first of all, They have to send you to an IME that is uh, relevant to the issue in dispute. If if you're having issues with psychological uh, uh, mental health issues, they can't send you to an orthopedic surgeon, okay, and vice versa. Number one. Number two, uh, when you're dealing with these IMEs, uh, one thing to keep in mind is that many of them um, will actually contain treatment recommendations. They will actually say, "We, we recommend X, Y, and Z for this person, this claimant, to get better. And I think that to Albert's point, when you're asking your insurance company to give you copies of these IMEs, I think you need to say it uh, in a way that says, look, to the extent that these IMEs talk about me and provide any recommendations for treatment which I am interested in, I would like to see copies of those and I would like to give copies of those IMEs with those recommendations for treatment to my doctor so that my doctors can figure out if those make sense and whether I should do those. And I think that if the insurance company fails to give them to you, and down the road they cut you off, they end your benefits, and we get involved, well, guess what? When we get involved and a legal claim is initiated, they have to provide copies of these IMEs. So that's also very important. Now, last point I'm going to make on this. Let's just zoom out for a second. The insurance company asks you to go see one of their doctors or assessors. Then the insurance company says to you, we're not going to give you a copy of the report. You got to ask why. What is in that report that they're not willing to share with you? I would hazard to guess that maybe that doctor or assessor confirms what your doctors have said, meaning that you are disabled from working and you're having certain limitations, etc. So when the insurance company actually says to you, we're not going to give you copies of these IMEs. To me, that would militate towards sort of thinking, oh, okay, that's interesting. The insurance company clearly got an opinion here they're afraid of or they're not happy with. Otherwise, they would be throwing this in my face and saying, look, our doctor said you can go back to work. So I'm only saying that simply because you need to understand that if they don't give you the IME reports, yes, you can press them for it. You can do everything Albert said. You can put in writing that you want to see the treatment recommendations, et cetera but I don't know that I would get too worried about it because clearly there is a reason why they're afraid to share those with you.
1: Got still more to go here in the last few minutes of the show, but you still have time to reach out and, and contact the guys, the upper clients of You do that by well calling when the show's done, 1-855-821-5900, the website we use dot com? Tons of uh, space there and uh, room for you to ask your questions. Searchable database as well, by the way, which means you can look for a similar question to yours that has been answered. If not, drop it in there, and it will get answered. And, of course, email help at disabilityrights.ca. will continue Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial
0: program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News
1: Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back, Disability Law Show. A few minutes to go. Reaching out anytime uh, doesn't necessarily have to be during this hour. You can do it afterwards, 1 855 821 5900. And help at disabilityrights.ca. By the way, Sam Firu to Mark and uh, the firm, LLP, is the most positively reviewed disability law firm in the land. Savannah Mark and co-founding partner and partner Albert Klein, always joining us here on the show. Fellas, want to get to a question? Again, mydisabilityquestions.com. This website is absolutely robust and full of questions. That's why people love to use it because they get answered. Uh, I want to move on to Sandy. Sandy says, I'm in a behavior, uh, behavior activation program for mental health and insurance. Wants to start work hardening soon which my doctor said to try, but I have not been doing well. I've been told that if I do not complete the activities every day, my benefits will be cut off. Part of the effect is I have low energy and anxiety going outside, so it is difficult for me to do the activities they want, like going for a walk or exercising. What can I do to push back and protect myself? They want me to agree I can and will do these things, but I can't start having react. But I can't start having reactions when I even go. Uh, have to go to, to the doctor. Oh, what do you think about that? That's not nice.
2: No, it, it's not. And, and this is something that again comes up quite often because under the policy, under every LTD policy, you as a claimant have an obligation to try and get better. And yep. frankly, that makes sense, right? We don't want people just being on disability and doing nothing to better themselves or to try and heal themselves with the help of whoever's treating them. But what's what's concerning here is that Sani is being pushed beyond the limits. And and I think that one of the issues here is a communication breakdown or communication issue between Sani and uh, his doctor. And, and you know, what I would say is that he needs to speak with his doctor uh, in a more frank way and explain what the issues are. Because if the doctor ultimately, the, the treating doctor, ultimately says... I believe that you can do it or you should be able to try to do it, <laughs> the insurance company is going to latch onto that, right? Yeah. If your doctor is saying you should be able to try and you're not trying, that's a problem. Now, that said, Sunny's is saying here that he is trying, he is trying, but he's ha- having difficulty. So I think as long as it's recorded that he is trying, as long as you know the the doctor is aware of it, it's in the notes, it's in the records. I think at some point in time, perhaps now is the time, Stanley has to go to the doctor, the doctor has to say, okay, we need to slow this down or stop yeah. for a period of time, and then give that to the insurance company. The insurance company should comply and should listen to what your doctors are saying. If they don't, and they cut you off benefits, you have a legal claim against the insurance company because there is no judge in the world, no judge in the world, who will award an insurance company judgment in a case like this. They will not say that you should uh, comply with any types of treatments or work hardening program or anything of the sort against medical advice. It's just not going to happen. So if that's the position the insurance company is going to take and base their decision to cut off your benefits, I think that they're in for a world of trouble. But you have to do things right. You have to go to your doctor and you have to make sure that your doctor is behind you and that your doctor is providing the necessary information in writing to the insurance company that you can then rely on and say, I need a break.
1: Albert, what do you think?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I,
3: I definitely agree. And one one other way, which uh, which sometimes is acts as a good supplement. I mean, if you're having a little bit of trouble conveying what uh, what different reactions that you're experiencing when you do push yourself and when you do try and complete these activities, get a family member, get a friend who can actually. Watch you doing these things. Maybe mm-hmm. they can even film you, and or or maybe they can go into your doctor's appointment and say, "Look, I I've seen Sanny, and I've seen uh, I've seen how he is when he tries to complete these activities. It's actually poor for his mental health, and something like that can actually help convince the doctor, convince convince the insurance company that." These aren't just things that you're making up, and uh, I mean, the more that you can actually document it, the more that you can actually go and complain to your doctor about it, so at least there's a written record of it, it's going to seem much more unreasonable for the insurance company to cut you off if you continue to not do them, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, what do you
1: want to take over the last few minutes, but
2: Uh, Well, I want to talk uh, briefly about CPP disability because we do get questions on that. And again, if you go to ltdfaq.ca, you'll see there is a memo on that. And John, I think that we have a question that came. If you want to read that, we can respond to it. Yeah, Yeah,
1: it's perfect. This one from Jeff says, uh, good morning, guys. My spouse has been off work for four years with chronic vertigo. Her company insurer has pretty much decided that she probably won't be going back to work a couple of weeks ago, she received a letter asking her to sign off on CPPB day, uh, paperwork. I have two questions. What happens when LTD says she no longer qualifies? Does that mean she'll be on a reduced pension uh, uh, come retirement? Is she required to fill out the paperwork? Thank you in advance for your time and help. Again, from Jeff.
2: Yeah. Again, something we, we see all the time, Albert and I, and the rest of the team Yes, if you are on long-term disability and the insurance company says you need to apply for CPP disability, you need to apply for CPP disability. In most policies of insurance, LTD insurance, there is a provision that in fact obligates you to do that. Um, And and the reality is that if you do not, what's most likely going to happen is the insurance company is going to reduce your, they're going to estimate how much you should be getting from CPP disability and then reduce your monthly LTD amounts accordingly. So, you need to understand that in fact, if you don't do that, you're going to put yourself in a worse off position. But the question here is what happens when LTD says she no longer qualifies? Well, that's one of the positives of applying for CPP disability and getting it. That means that the government has effectively determined that you are disabled, that you suffer from a severe and prolonged disability. So, if your LTD insurer subsequently cuts you off because they say you're not disabled, they're in a bind. That's a problem because the federal government has deemed you to be disabled. That's number one. Number two, does it mean that she's going to be on reduced pension, come retirement? Well, once she retires, once she gets to a certain age, 65, let's say, yeah. CPPD transforms into regular CPP. But in any event, in any event, if a person is cut off LTD and they're on CPP disability, we've handled many of those kinds of claims. We go after the insurance company, and generally we get one of two resolutions. Either we come to a full and final settlement for the LTD claim with the insurance company, where the insurance company pays our client a whack of money for the benefits they ought to have paid our client, or they reinstate them. They pay them retroactively back to the date they cut them off and continue paying them on a monthly basis. So either way, it's very important for people when they have these kinds of questions to contact us. If you're cut off LTD, immediately, immediately reach out to us. Uh, And frankly, when you're an LTD, and you're told your benefits are going to end, usually it's not in hindsight. It's not retroactive. They don't tell you your benefits ended last month. They'll give you the heads up. They'll say it's going to be in a month, two months, five months, whatever. Don't wait until you are cut off, until your benefits end to contact us. Let us know immediately so we can actually help you immediately with your claim and potentially, potentially avoid the situation where you have no money coming in. John, the last thing I want to mention to people and something we've been talking about Again, for years, since we started doing this show on the radio, on TV, across the various jurisdictions in Canada, people are still uh, blind to the fact that they have a lot of power when it comes to dealing with insurance companies. Remember that insurance companies are corporate entities, and they operate on a premise of making profits. And if you cost them too much... They're going to eventually settle with you. That's just the way it works. Not to mention the fact that if you have been wronged, you should stand up for your rights. And that's where we come in, obviously. We explain to you what your rights are. And by the way, I want to make sure it's clear. Sometimes we will tell you that the insurance company is correct. Yes, that does happen. Insurance companies are not always wrong. Uh, But in many, many cases, they are wrong. And sometimes they're wrong when they know it. And sometimes they're wrong when they don't know it. Because when when you're dealing with the insurance company, you're dealing with an adjuster. You're not dealing with a lawyer there that has a specialty legal education and they understand what the law is with respect to your claim. And so when we come in, we come in with the experience, years and years of experience, having worked for insurance companies and against them. And we come in with the mindset of, you know, we have what it takes in terms of resources, acumen, experience, reputation to take a claim all the way. But I want to make it clear, you are in the driver's seat. If you retain us, if you come to us and we tell you, look, John, I, we can help you, uh, and you eventually say, okay, I want you to help me, it's not like we just go with your case and do whatever we want. We tell you what the steps are every every step of the way. And and you know, eventually, we will get a resolution for you. You have to be a little patient, but we'll get a resolution. But it's absolutely crucial to understand that these, this is your money, uh, this is your claim, This is your life. You can choose to walk away from the money that is owed to you or you can choose to stand up for your rights. Whatever it is, as long as you know what your options are, as long as you are informed and understand what the options are, then we've done our job. 1-855-821-5900,
1: help at disabilityrights.ca to reach out. You can do that now, now that we're done. We'll catch you next time. Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program.
0: Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.